Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Marco, and this is a true crime podcast where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. I've been on a Fort Hood kick lately, probably because of everything going on with Vanessa Guillen, Gregory Morales, and Brandon Rosecrans over the last few months. And well, I want to take you back a few years to Fort Hood circa 2006, when young Kamisha Block showed up to her second military assignment. Kamisha had no idea that by dating a non-commissioned officer, she'd put into motion a set of facts that would cause her her life while deployed to Iraq. But she wouldn't die at the hands of anti-American forces. She'd die at the hands of a fellow soldier. Join me today as I discuss the life and death of Kamisha Block. Now, let's dig in. For this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Kamisha Block's sister, Shanta. She shared portions of the highly redacted investigative report she received from a Freedom of Information Act request. In addition to this information, I used various news articles, including articles by Maxim, the editor and publisher, Stars and Stripes, The Huff Post, and The Beaumont Enterprise. For those of you that like investigation discovery, there is a documentary on today's case, and it's on Forbidden Dying for Love, Season 3, Episode 1. Kamisha Block was a military police officer, and she was assigned to Fort Hood, Texas. But at the time of our story, she was deployed to Camp Liberty in Iraq. On August 17, 2007, Kamisha Skyped with her younger and only sister, Shanta. Shanta was 18 years old and had just given birth to a beautiful baby boy. Kamisha had sent her nephew a onesie that said, I do my own stunts. So, in preparation for the Skype date, Shanta put that little onesie on the baby. Kamisha hadn't met her only nephew, but she was excited to Skype with Shanta, not only to see her baby sister, but also to meet her nephew. It was Shanta's birthday, so Kamisha wished her sister a happy birthday, and the ladies didn't talk too long before Kamisha's boyfriend showed his face in the screen, and Kamisha said that she had to go. Love you, the sister said as they ended the call. Shanta was excited for that evening because her parents, Jane and Jerry Block, they were going to be watching the baby, as Shanta was going to be going out to celebrate her birthday with a group of friends. And as most new moms know, the first night out without baby is always filled with high expectations, but it usually turns out to be just mama goo goo gaga over baby pics. Well, the Blocks lived in Vidor, Texas. It's a small town of 11,000 people. Everyone knows everyone and there are lots of dirt roads. Shanta drove over to her parents' house. She grabbed the baby car seat and went inside to chat with the folks, you know, The obligatory stay at least five minutes so your parents don't feel like you're just using them for the babysitting skills type deal. Well, before long, Shanta was driving down the street when she saw a car with two men dressed in military uniform pass her. 
She quick peeked out her rearview mirror to see where they were going. She saw them slowing down right in front of her parents' house and her heart sank as she thought, no, 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 no. This can't be. They must have the wrong house. They must have the wrong name. I just spoke to my sister. Shanta quick did a U-turn, slammed her brakes and put the car in park as she parked in front of her parents' house. Her mom and dad were already outside. Shanta kept thinking, no, 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 no. This is a bad dream. But it wasn't. The two gentlemen informed the Block family that Kamisha had been killed. What? How? They informed the family that Kamisha had been shot by friendly fire. She was killed by one shot to the chest. Jane screamed, the kind of heart-wrenching scream that pierces your soul. She ran through the house into the back patio. She fell to her knees crying. Why? 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 How did this happen? My baby girl, my heart. Jane and the rest of the Block family, they prepared for the aftermath of a death in Iraq like anyone else would. They put on their black clothes and they tried hard not to think about Kamisha's last moments but they wanted to know what actually happened. Friendly fire? They were taken aback by the fact that she had died by friendly fire. What did that mean? Was this an accident? A training incident? What? On August 21st, Kamisha's body arrived at the Southeast Texas Regional Airport. On August 22nd, Kamisha's viewing was held at the Eastgate United Pentecostal Church. Jane wanted to see her daughter before everyone else arrived. She wanted a moment of silence to look at her baby girl one last time before the commotion of a funeral began. She asked for the casket to be opened, and it was. Jane's eyes filled with tears as she saw beautiful Kamisha, lifeless, Jane looked at her daughter closely, wondering, why, why my baby girl? She saw her face looked very swollen, although they did appear to do a decent job with the makeup. As Jane examined her daughter closely, she keyed in on Kamisha's head. She got closer and closer to Kamisha's temple. And then she stopped, shocked. What in the actual hell? Jane asked Shanta, who was standing right next to her, do you see that? Shanta took a look. Yes. And they both gasped for air, recognizing the discrepancy. The soldiers who told them the news said that Kamisha had been shot once in the chest. But in looking at Kamisha, Kamisha had actually been shot in the head, but there was like heavy makeup covering the bullet hole. As the immediate Block family sat there, they knew that there was more to this story than the army initially let on. Kamisha Block was born on August 4th, 1987 in Vidor, Texas. Her mom, Jane Block, was a nail technician and her dad, Jerry, was a Vietnam veteran. Kamisha was the baby of the family. Shanta Block was the oldest sister, just two years older than Kamisha but they were best friends, inseparable to say the least. Shanta, the oldest, she was a tomboy. She loved going fishing with her dad, while Kamisha was the girly girl. You could find her playing with Barbies and caring for her baby dolls. 
but they were both sporty and played softball. Kamisha was first base and Shanta played second. As they grew older, Shanta stopped growing at about five foot six inches tall, but Kamisha kept growing taller and taller, ending up at six foot tall. And this isn't surprising since Papa Jerry was six foot four inches tall. Kamisha was shy around guys and she only dated one boy in high school. And by senior year when they weren't dating anymore, Kamisha went to prom with one of her besties. In 2005, when she graduated from Vidor, Texas, Kamisha looked around and everyone was having babies or going to college. And Kamisha didn't have either. So that summer, Kamisha worked at the waffle shop. And because she was so friendly and outgoing, she made about $200 a week with tips and all. But after a while, the days, they tended to blend into each other and life seemed pretty bleak in Vidor. Kamisha thought about her future and she really wanted to be an FBI agent, but she knew that that would take work. So after growing up with a veteran dad, she decided to give the army a go. Kamisha's mom, like most moms in my stories, was devastated at hearing the news that her baby girl wanted to join the army. And Jane cried for three days straight. If it was me, I would bolt the doors and wouldn't let my kids out. But Kamisha, you know, she had made up her mind and she told her mom, listen, mom, somebody has to do it. Freedom don't come free. Kamisha packed her things and she got ready to leave. Shanta felt like she was losing her best friend and it was a huge cry fest. Kamisha went to boot camp and then she was assigned as a military police officer, an MP for short. Her first assignment was in Seoul, Korea. And for anyone in the military, you know that Korea is a huge party for military folks. From what I hear, lots of drinking and many affairs. But Kamisha, she was excited at the prospect of going overseas. Part of the reasoning for joining the military to begin with was to get away from small town Texas and to see the world. And this was exactly what she was doing. Kamisha excelled at the job and in Korea. Maxim Magazine even reported that Kamisha was so into her job as a military police officer that she even obtained a stab wound while stopping an altercation at a bar. But after only a year in Korea, in December of 2006, it was time for Kamisha to move on and she received orders to Fort Hood. She was assigned to the 401st Military Police Company, the 720th Military Police Battalion and the 89th Military Police Brigade. Many of you have heard me talk about Fort Hood in Killeen, Texas before. It is a huge post and has over 50,000 troops, or at least it did back in 2006. Sometime after arriving on post, Kamisha went out with a group of friends. They went to a place called the Starlight Station, which is a popular military hangout. Kamisha was having a grand time with her friends dancing. And as she walked off the dance floor, she bumped into Staff Sergeant Paul Brandon Norris, a.k.a. Brandon. What Kamisha didn't know was that Brandon had his eye on her for a few minutes while she was dancing, and he knew that he wanted her the moment that he placed eyes on her. Now, I haven't mentioned this before, but Kamisha was a specialist. That's two ranks below staff sergeant. But when when you're not in uniform, it's not like you walk around asking people what their ranks are. Kamisha and Brandon snagged a table where the two chatted for about 30 minutes before leaving the bar together. I imagine that they figured out that they both were in the same unit and we don't know what happened that night. Rumors began to spread like wildfire that Kamisha and Brandon were seeing each other. 
Now, Brandon was violating military laws in two ways in this situation. First, he was dating a junior enlisted member. And second, he was committing adultery because although he was separated from his wife, Brandon was still married. And remember, adultery is illegal in the military. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your cart and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T, for 15% off. Enjoy, and when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. Let me take a minute to tell you about Brandon. Brandon was 30 years old when he met Kamisha in early 2007. According to a Maxim article, he grew up in Coleman, Alabama, and he liked fishing and soccer. He graduated from the Holly Pond High School in the mid-90s, and having seen his mother struggle throughout the years, he knew he wanted to make something of himself. So he joined the Army in 1995. He had three siblings, two sisters, and a brother. Brandon's mother spoke to the Tuscaloosa News and she explained that his military career, meaning Brandon's military career, was pretty much always hot, meaning that there was never a dull moment. Right out of basic, his unit went to Bosnia. Brandon was then stationed at the Pentagon and transferred out of the Pentagon right before the 9-11 terrorist attacks. From there, he went to Belgium and it was here where he would meet his wife, Eva. Eva and Brandon were expecting their first child when they received orders to Germany. It was when he was PCSing from Belgium during the Christmas season in 2002 that he received tragic news. His sisters had been killed in a car accident. The accident was a result of a drunk driver and they died on impact. Brandon's world was rocked. They buried his sisters, Lisa and Janine. And then two months later, they buried their maternal grandmother. Then, in February of 2003, his daughter, Bella, was born. Brandon hoped that life would slow down. But as we all know, life in the military doesn't slow down. In the following years, Brandon would go on a 365-day tour of Iraq, 
followed by a tour to Afghanistan. And ultimately, he would end up stationed at Fort Hood in Texas. By 2007, Brandon had been on active duty for 12 years, and he had seen some things. We can all agree that the situation in Afghanistan and Iraq from 2003 to 2007 were pretty kinetic. Deployments in the Army tend to mean that you get to spend more time with your unit because the Army, they deploy, they deploy with their home station platoons. So in the spring of 2007, the 720th MPs, they were scheduled to deploy to Iraq. That meant that Kamisha and Brandon would be deploying together. By this point, Kamisha and Brandon were clearly dating, although it was kind of hush-hush. Kamisha didn't really talk to her mom about her relationship with Brandon. But in a surprise move, before the MPs deployed to Iraq, Kamisha made a pit stop at home and she brought Brandon along with her. But the visit to meet the parents wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. For starters, Brandon was very standoffish. It's like he didn't want to be there. When Kamisha and Brandon pulled up to the Block family home, Jane and Jerry greeted them at the door as the car pulled up. But Brandon refused to get out of the car. Not wanting to make a big stink about it, the Blocks, they went their separate ways and they met up at the restaurant where Brandon just sat around practically mute all night. He didn't speak unless a question or a comment was directed at him. But the Blocks, they didn't pay it attention since they were just excited to see their girl before she left to Iraq. But this odd feeling always stuck with the Blocks. Before they split ways, Jane told Brandon, quote, take care of her, end quote, and Brandon said he would. It's apparent that Kamisha wasn't very fond of how the situation with the parents went down, but she likely didn't say anything about it, probably just chalking it up to jitters. But after returning to Fort Hood, things started to get pretty dark with Brandon. Brandon now became jealous quickly. And listen, if you're dating a military woman, be prepared that they will always, always be around guys. It's the nature of the beast. Military women are around men all day. Well, on one occasion in particular, various news sources report that Kamisha was loading a heavy box into a truck or something when a fellow corporal volunteered to help Kamisha with the box. When he approached to take the box out of her hands, he brushed up against Kamisha's breast, not on purpose. And it's not clear which part of his body, I'm assuming maybe his arm or her shoulder or something like that. Well, Brandon was watching closely, and when he saw this interaction, he flew into a fit of rage. Brandon quickly ran up to the corporal, grabbed the man's collar with two hands, and ripped the corporal and Kamisha a new one. Yikes! Brandon's violent and aggressive outbursts were beginning to frighten Kamisha, but besides confiding in a few friends, she hadn't reported this behavior to anyone. On one occasion, though, Kamisha reported to a friend that Brandon had, quote, grabbed her by the throat and shoved her against a wall, end quote. For unknown reasons, Brandon was not able to deploy with the rest of the unit, and he was left behind, but he hoped that he would eventually meet up with the rest of the folks. Kamisha and the rest of the gang arrived at Camp Liberty in May of 2007. Within days of arrival, Kamisha became one of the group's drivers, now, the MP's mission required them to work outside the wire on a daily basis, and the job of driver is not that easy. You have all the lives of the people in your vehicle in your hands, 
They're trusting that you will drive defensively and that you will not hit an improvised explosive device, IED, on the road. So it's safe to say that Kamisha had a mentally and physically grueling deployment position. Kamisha had a roommate while deployed. Her name was Danielle. They lived in a portable trailer, 15-255-C. It was a 15 by 15 square room, but they wouldn't be spending much time in their rooms anyway, so, so it would make do for deployment. The overall base was nice though. It had many luxuries that you had back home, including a nice gym, a pizza hut, and plenty of live entertainment since many famous acts came through to pay tribute to the military heroes overseas. As I mentioned earlier, deployments are tough. Kamisha took to writing back home frequently, and after months deployed, her letters to her parents seemed to show a young lady who was coming into herself, finally. A 20-year-old not worried about makeup and clothing, but a young lady who had learned about her inner self, a lady who learned how to appreciate life in a foreign country. Well, a few weeks after Kamisha had already been at Camp Liberty, Brandon arrived in Iraq, approximately late June. By this point, it appeared that Kamisha and Brandon wouldn't be in the same division since their deployment windows were different now. Remember, Kamisha got there sometime in May. Brandon got there at the end of at the end of June. But within a few days of Brandon's arrival, Kamisha received notice that she was being transferred to Brandon's division. According to a Maxim article, it appears that many people speculate that Brandon pulled some strings to get Kamisha on his 10-person squad team. Of course, people knew what was going on and they weren't big fans of Brandon and Kamisha. One person in particular wasn't a big fan of Brandon. They had seen a side of him that wasn't nice. This person tried to warn Kamisha about Brandon, but during her smoke break, Kamisha really didn't want to talk about it and she just kind of stayed quiet when when that person warned her about Brandon. But soon, people began to suspect that Brandon was showing favoritism towards Kamisha. Brandon always found his way near Kamisha's workspace and always wanted to talk to her. One of Kamisha's friends told a squad leader that they probably should step in about this inappropriate work relationship. But this anonymous person was told that there was nothing that this other person could do about it. Well, in mid-July, the uptick in IED explosions picked up. And one after another, the 720th found themselves wounded and with less soldiers than they had started with, including the death of three soldiers. Of course, when something this tragic occurs, good leaders allow their troops to stand down a few days to gather their bearings. And that's what happened. During this high stress time now, though, a soldier approached Brandon and basically called him out on the inappropriate relationship with Kamisha. From everything that I read, it appeared that Brandon was outwardly showing favoritism towards Kamisha, and this was not sitting well with the others. But on July 23rd, a senior person confronted Brandon about this relationship with Kamisha. But Brandon downright denied any relationship with the young 20-year-old Texan native. Shanta shared something with me that I felt was very telling. It was a written counseling that Brandon received from the platoon sergeant on July 23rd. And it read, quote, on 23 July 2007, it was brought to my attention that you and Specialist Block are having more than a soldier sergeant relationship. Soldiers in your squad believe that there is preferential treatment going on. There have been senior leaders bring it to my attention. 
that they have seen both you and Block late at night lingering together. Staff sergeants don't hang out with specialists. The perception is that you are having an inappropriate relationship with her. You are a non-commissioned officer. You know, as well as I do, that perception is a reality. And if it is perceived that you and specialist Block are having an inappropriate relationship, then you are. This relationship will stop immediately. Specialist Block will be reassigned to the first squad. And if you have any business that needs to deal with Specialist Block, you will use the chain of command or her NCO support channel. If this type of conduct continues to happen, the command will be forced to investigate the matter further, end quote. The counseling then proceeded to inform Brandon that if he didn't cut it out, action might be initiated to discharge him from the military. And then it said you can get an honorable or an underhonorable or an under other than honorable service characterization. Brandon was warned that he would no longer be able to keep a close eye on Kamisha because someone, someone above Brandon's pay grade had made the decision to reassign Kamisha. And leadership meant business. If Brandon had any official business with Kamisha, he had to go through the chain of command to communicate with her. And this is good because in a deployed environment, you don't want to have internal struggles about favoritism because people live and die depending on one another. And you want to know that you can trust someone 100%. It's around this time that Kamisha felt a weird sense of relief to not have to live under Brandon's thumb while at work. But the relationship continued anyway. And now Brandon was even more pissed. And because they were hiding their relationship, Brandon made Kamisha's life a living hell. And listen, it's not like Iraq is a walk in the park to begin with. But combine that with the fact that Brandon is extremely possessive and it's a recipe for disaster. It's at this point that Kamisha is fed up with the BS and she wants to break up with Brandon, but she didn't or she couldn't. Maybe it's because she didn't feel safe or maybe it was something else. Well, Brandon was getting more brazen with his jealousy. On one occasion, Kamisha was chatting with another male soldier. Brandon stomped on over, no, he rushed over to Kamisha, grabbed her by the arm, demanding to know why she was talking to another soldier. The other soldier was taken aback by the confrontation and the soldier shouted, quote, you're not supposed to grab other soldiers like that, end quote. Kamisha was trying to get loose from Brandon's powerful grip, probably not trying to cause a scene. Brandon was not impressed as he firmly told the soldier, quote, you need to stay out of this. This is between an NCO and a soldier, end quote. One night, James Radigan, one of Kamisha's friends that she knew from her time in Korea, he was sitting outside with Kamisha and Kamisha shared that Brandon had been physical with her in the past. She never outright came out and said that he hit her, but, you know, that's what it sounded like. Kamisha didn't really want to talk about it, though, so she just left it at that. James knew that he couldn't just let this go, though, so he told Kamisha's platoon sergeant that things were getting abusive between Kamisha and Brandon. And the platoon sergeant just shrugged it off and said that he'd look into it. Now, it's unclear to me if this is the same platoon sergeant who gave the written counseling on the 23rd of July to Brandon. But I did just want to point it out that I, I, I don't know if it was the same platoon sergeant or not. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, 
then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. On August 15th, 2007, Brandon wasn't feeling too well. He was feeling some sort of tightness in his chest. So he reported to the clinic complaining of, quote, a possible heart problem, end quote. And it's unclear to me what ended up happening of the clinic visit, but Brandon was released without incident. As reported by Stars and Stripes, on August 16th, 2007, Brandon's platoon was scheduled to go outside the wire on a mission. During the mission brief, Brandon showed up with his full garb ready to go. But this was strange because Brandon wasn't scheduled to be on this particular mission. The platoon leader told Brandon that he wasn't going and he had to, quote, physically hold him back, end quote, to make Brandon understand that he wasn't going to be joining the group that day. This confrontation occurred in front of the other soldiers and, well, the platoon left Brandon behind. Brandon stayed at Camp Liberty, just stewing over not being able to go on the mission. Then, Brandon walked over to room 15-255-C and he knocked loudly. The door opened and Brandon asked Danielle if he could have a moment alone with Kamisha. Danielle didn't know what was going on, so she agreed as she grabbed a few of her items and walked out, closing the door behind her. Danielle wasn't even a few steps away when she heard a barrage of bullets ring inside her room. It's unclear if it was out of instinct or reflex, but Danielle returned to her room and opened the door to check what happened. And that's when she looked inside her room. Kamisha was on her bed, kneeling and crying. Brandon standing over Kamisha, holding his 9mm Beretta at point range at Kamisha. He had just unleashed the bullets into the wall behind Kamisha. I imagine that time froze for a split second before Danielle let out the words, quote, Staff Sergeant Norris, what the f*** are you doing? End quote. Brandon then looked at Danielle, turned the gun towards her as she ducked and ran to get help. Seconds later, Brandon shot Kamisha five times at point blank range. Then he focused the gun on himself. It's unclear if he emptied the clip earlier and had to reload but he aimed the gun at his own head and pulled the trigger. Helped arrive a few minutes later, or maybe it was a few seconds after the last bullet roared through the desert hallways of Camp Liberty. Brandon was dead at the scene and Kamisha was still breathing, but her breathing was labored. Kamisha was quickly transported to the Camp Liberty Clinic, but she didn't make it. 
Kamisha was returned to her family and friends in Texas. And it was there that the Block family began to suspect that the U.S. Army was hiding something. Two days after they laid Kamisha to rest, Jane couldn't just let it go. She picked up the phone and she called her casualty assistant. It was a woman named Patricia. Jane confided in Patricia that Kamisha appeared to have been shot more than once. A few days later, after some digging, Patricia reported back that Kamisha had been shot five times by a soldier named Brandon Paul. Although the name sounded familiar to the Block family, they didn't realize that the man who shot and killed their baby girl was the same man who had visited with the Blocks only a few days before Kamisha's Iraq tour. Through additional digging, the Blocks discovered that it was Brandon, the same Brandon. And as soon as they figured that part out, Kamisha's death became very clearly a murder in their minds. The family attempted to get more information about the Kamisha Block investigation, but they were told that they had to use formal channels to get the information. So they filed a Freedom of Information Act request, a FOIA, and they didn't come forward to the media right away. Then, in February of 2008, six months after Kamisha was shot and killed, the Blocks received a package. It was the response of their FOIA request. They received portions of the heavily redacted Army Criminal Investigation Division Report of Investigation. Of course, names and ranks were withheld, but the results of a toxicology report conducted on Brandon postmortem was also withheld, which only created more questions about the results. And the portions of the investigation that were released to the blocks left more questions than answers. The entire thing was like a suicide note, except the important names were scribbled out and the real substance was non-existent. The big question the blocks had was why? Why did Brandon kill Kamisha? And after receiving the report and receiving information from troops who knew both Kamisha and Brandon leading up to the murder-suicide, the biggest question was, why was Brandon allowed to keep his service weapon on the particular day that he killed Kamisha? Now, you may be thinking, duh, Margot, he's deployed and he has a service weapon. Why wouldn't he be allowed to keep it? Well, it appeared that the same year that Kamisha was killed, Brandon was struggling a lot. He had shared that he hadn't been getting much sleep in over a year. And by much sleep, I mean he was only catching two hours of Z's a night. When the investigators inventoried the items that Brandon had in Iraq, they found what appeared to be anabolic steroids among his things. The blocks have continued to fight for Kamisha. And clearly, the man who pulled the trigger has already paid the ultimate price. He took his own life. As I mentioned earlier, I had the privilege to speak with Shanta Block, and I asked her what her goal was now. She's clearly still fighting for justice for Kamisha, but she died back in 2007. Shanta shared that her elderly parents, specifically her mom, had fought the good fight for many, many years. But after many years of fighting and not getting answers, she simply realized that she had to take a back seat. Jane, that is. And that was when Shanta picked up where her mother left off. Ultimately, the blocks do not believe that the army did enough to stop the murder from happening. For starters, the couple was having an inappropriate relationship and Brandon, as the senior person, was really never scolded besides that written counseling that I mentioned earlier. And that was what, three-ish weeks or maybe more? No, that was about three weeks before the murder-suicide. 
In fact, after he arrived in Iraq, it appeared that he was able to pull some strings or call in a few favors to have Kamisha, a troop that had already been in country for a few weeks, transferred to his command. Then, after a month or so of a high-intensity war situation in Iraq, including various outside-the-wire missions, some of which caused injuries and resulted in death, the situation in the unit wasn't good. This is seen when more than one person told Brandon to knock it off with Kamisha because he was showing favoritism. But then there were other people who saw him showing violent tendencies toward Kamisha or toward any man who spoke to Kamisha. And yet eventually when he was told not to go near her and he was removed from the situation, he was still able to keep his weapon. And on the day before the murder-suicide, Brandon appeared at the clinic complaining of a possible like heart attack or heart situation, which in all reality was likely a panic attack, and he still continued to hold his weapon. In the fall of 2008, Congressman Kevin Brady from the 8th District of Texas wrote a letter to the DOD Inspector General, IG. In the letter, he laid out the bloc's dissatisfaction with the report of investigation, and he also scrutinized how highly redacted the report that they received was. In fact, of a 1,200-page report, the blocks only received one-third of the investigation. In the letter, Congressman Brady also included a list that he received of possible witnesses that were never interviewed in connection with the murder-suicide. The then DODIG, Gordon Hedell, agreed to conduct a fresh investigation. As reported by Rose Thayer in 2010, the DODIG investigation revealed that the initial investigation was sufficient. This new investigation was an evaluation of the thoroughness of the initial investigation. And during the DOD investigation, they interviewed 69 people and they acknowledged that there were discrepancies between what they initially said and what they were saying now. But there was a point in there where they said that the DOD IG report concluded that a posthumous toxicology report was never conducted on Brandon, as it was impossible due to the low level of urine available for testing. Additionally, the rumor about Brandon abusing steroids was never substantiated. So it appeared that the Block family would not be getting any answers after all. But Shanta would not stop fighting for answers. In 2019, Shanta was working when she received a phone call from someone at the Pentagon informing her that the Army was reopening the investigation into Kamisha's death. Shanta was over the moon. Her family might actually get some answers now. Over the years, many people in Kamisha's units, people who are no longer affiliated with the military and some that are now retired, they have reached out to Shanta to share information. One of those people was someone who told Shanta that he used to work admin in Iraq, same unit as Kamisha. Well, on the day that Kamisha was murdered, he was sitting at his desk and two men walked into his office, handed him a large file and told him not to look inside, but to shred the file. The man obeyed the orders and never, ever looked at the file before it was obliterated. But days, months, and years later, he found it very strange. Was this just a coincidence or was the army hiding something in those documents? 
Well, Shanta shared this information with investigators, and she believed that this was the reason that the investigation back in 2019 was reopened. And she was she was actually a little bit hopeful. In a statement to the Beaumont Enterprise many years ago, Shanta shared something with them, and she shared it with me as well. And that was that because Kamisha and Brandon did in fact have a consensual relationship at one point, after Kamisha's death, the army used the consensual part of the relationship as a scapegoat rather than answer the true question at play here, which is why did the army, one, fail to do anything about the improper relationship? Two, once the relationship turned abusive, why did the army not do anything then? And three, if Brandon was showing clear signs of aggression and assault and was not allowed to go on mission that day, why was Brandon allowed to keep his service weapon? Back in Iraq on that extremely hot day in August of 2007, when Kamisha Block was murdered at the hands of her superior, Brandon Norris, everything seemed quiet. David Womack, a retired soldier, told Stars and Stripes that after the murder occurred, they put Kamisha's picture on a memorial wall. They held a service in her honor. And then life went on. It was an eerie situation because everyone acted like it didn't happen. The unit stayed in place in Iraq until 2008. And David describes that there was, quote, a uncomfortable comfortability, end quote, about it all. And over the years, he said, Kamisha's death just kind of lumped itself together with the other combat deaths. Shanta shared more shocking information about the case with me. She received various messages over the years. But after the investigation was reopened in 2009, she received one message that made it clear to Shanta that there was a cover-up going on. The message basically read that after the murder-suicide, everyone, or mostly everyone in the platoon, was threatened by higher-ups. And the threat was that if anyone spoke to reporters, these people would make sure to destroy their military career. Yikes. That's pretty ballsy, don't you think, to threaten something like that? Well, in June of 2020, Rose Thayer from Stars and Stripes, who a year earlier had written about Kamisha and the renewed efforts by the army to take another look-see at its investigation into the murder of Kamisha, well, Rose Thayer again reported on Kamisha's case. And guess what? In early June, the army closed the investigation because it found that there was no credibility to the allegations that records were destroyed in the wake of Kamisha's murder. The Army CID spokesman, a man by the name of Chris Gray, said, quote, It's important to point out that this collateral investigation, regardless of the outcome, would not have changed the findings of murder-suicide in the original death investigation, end quote. With this most recent news that the Army didn't find anything wrong, Shanta isn't really shocked. She told Stars and Stripes that because the Army is investigating itself in the matter, she doesn't believe that she'll ever get the truth, including whether medical records were destroyed. Until this day, Shanta is still working on her sister's case. She is currently working with Senator John Corrin from Texas. And first on the list is getting her hands on the most recent copy of the reopened investigative report and getting a less redacted copy and a more robust copy of the original report. Because remember, she only ever got about one third of the report. I'd like to thank Shanta for chatting with me about her sister's case because I cannot imagine losing a sister. 
Shanta and Kamisha were two years apart, the same as my two little girls. When my 23-month-old wakes up in the morning, the first thing she does is look for her sister and vice versa for my four-year-old. I cannot imagine one without the other. But that's a life that Shanta is forced to live every single day. I can't begin to imagine the pain, but the fact that Shanta continues to fight for justice and accountability, I'm floored that she hasn't already gotten that. Shanta is asking for one thing, a congressional investigation. If you want to help, please check the link in my show notes where I can direct you to more resources where you can help the Block family. All right, True Crime Army, you can find me on social media, on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast, on Facebook at Military True Crime, and on Twitter at Military Murder. This week, I want to say thank you because we have a few folks who donated to the Military Murder Morale Fund. Woo-hoo! This week's producers are Brett E., Liz R and Jackie B. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much for supporting this show. For anyone out there wondering how you can support Military Murder, it's super simple. You can donate any amount to the Morale Fund through my website, militarymurderpodcast.com or via PayPal by using militarymurderpodcast at gmail.com. Or, you know, there are so, so, so many non-monetary ways that you can support the show. First, you can leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcast, or you can leave a rating on Stitcher, but you have to be using like a computer, or you can leave a comment on CastBox. You can also leave a review on my Facebook page where you can find me at Military True Crime. You can also support the show by signing up for the True Crime Army Bulletin or simply by following any of my social media accounts. You see, guys, There are so many ways to support the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, well, speaking of reviews, today I will shout out all those that left a review on Apple Podcast since last time I gave a shout out. (laughs) And the list is super long. Thank you guys so much. I am so grateful. Okay, so here goes. Mama Margot is sending out some warm hugs and kisses to the following people. Lala PR, Tiff Rico, 1234 at max ms miss 12345 ninma wisco tango gringuita 35 atp 1005 mayavo fefe reeves r dot taylor note master review kj minis i'm greg pse girl joe crabs 92 Mona La La Land, Jenny Lynn 123, Sunshiny Mom, and Sassy Cassie 39. I love you all for all your amazing reviews. But today, I will give an extra special shout out to Wisco Tango because this military dad knows what's good. <laughs> In his review, he wrote, quote, I am a military dad of four service children. I like murder mystery. Naturally, I was curious when I saw this podcast. I started listening and I got hooked. I even turned my wife into a military murder junkie. The host is so easy to listen to, very detailed and keeps your attention. If you like murder mystery and our nation's armed forces, this is a podcast for you. Unfortunately, the stories are true, but interesting. Hashtag military dad, hashtag proud American, and most important, Hashtag military murder junkie, LOL. Keep up the awesome work and look forward to your next episode every week. 
thank you. End quote. Wisco Tango. What? Thank you so much for raising four service members. What a job well done. And thank you for getting your wife to join the True Crime Army. I am looking towards you to be one of my recruiters. So keep it up. But seriously, thank you so much to you and to everyone else for your continued support with the show. To those of you that left CastBox and Facebook reviews, I will hit you up next week. All right, everyone. This show was created by Mama Margot Productions, produced in collaboration with Brett E., Liz, and Jackie B., and the music was created by Tyops. Please check out the show notes for a direct link to my sources page on my website, militarymurderpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next week. Podcast.